The following message was brought to you by the gifts and love offerings of the people of Rancho Baptist Church in Temecula, California. This message was recorded during our regular Sunday morning worship service. And it's always a privilege to have with us one of our RBC-supported missionaries through World Venture, Mark Deny. And he's here to bring us a sermon he's entitled, The Gospel in Philippians. Let's join Mark now as he brings us the word. Well, it's great to be with you here this morning. It's a blessing for us. Um, as was mentioned, this church has supported us faithfully since 1992. And uh, hard to believe that we're all still so young, and yet it's been that long. So uh, uh, we want to thank you guys, and because that is such an encouragement uh, to us to have faithful partners for that long. And um, yeah, it's, it's uh, a great encouragement uh, and edification for us. And so we want to thank you. Thank you for being those partners. Um, I want to um, share with you this morning, well, a few things. One is a, a study I did a little while ago about uh, the word gospel, uh, specifically in Philippians. And uh, now I'm, my main role is I'm a, I'm a New Testament professor, so, but we're not going to delve into a lot of deep uh, detailed stuff. But it is, I think, an interesting um, conclusion that you can come to in this study. Uh, we also want to share uh, a little bit about what we're doing and our ministry and uh, what the future holds, and also hopefully some encouragement for all of us. So we'll see if we can squeeze that all into the time here, and uh, uh, we'll appreciate your, your uh, patience here as we go through. Um, before I go any further, though, uh, gospel. What does gospel mean? Uh, that's, pardon, someone said? Good news, yes. Um, from the Greek, uh, euangelion, literally good news. But we use it a lot of different ways, don't we? we um, I know uh, in church we can say, uh, we preach the gospel. Uh, that guy preaches the gospel. What does that mean specifically? Does that mean he's talking about uh, it's something from the Bible? Is that what that means? Does it mean a very specific message? Um, it can be kind of, uh, you know, there's different meanings that people use. I sometimes, um, well, I know there's a, a website that I find useful, um, the Gospel Coalition. Have any of you heard of that? Some of you? Um, good good articles, some interesting insights and stuff. And so there's people, they would say, you know, uh, their, their um, goal is to uh, help promote the gospel. So they have a certain understanding of what's going on there then. Um, it's interesting, in, in French... When uh, you say gospel, well, actually, for them, gospel, uh, like, you know, you talk about gospel of Matthew, Mark, or Luke. In French, um, they say évangile, which is more like the Greek uh, euangelion. But um, if you say gospel, well, the French would say gospel, because they speak differently. Um, and gospel, for them, means gospel music. Uh, I, I heard a, a good uh, a gospel concert last night, uh, they, and they love gospel music. So for them, when you say the, the English word gospel, for them that means uh, the music. And, and actually for a number, it's been a good way to uh, have a ministry because they love that, uh, that genre of music, and they'll come to those concerts. It's a great way to share the message of a lot of the gospel songs, which is about Jesus. Well, uh, what we're going to see this morning is in Philippians... Uh, Paul, who's writing to the church in Philippi, he uses that word in a specific way. And it's not necessarily the way we, we might think. Um, let me see. First of all, am I going to... Is this going to happen? <laughs> a question asked without knowing the answer. Um, there might be some slides that might show up at some point. Um, 
But if not, that's okay, because we're going through some verses in the Bible, and if you have your Bibles, um, I would encourage you to turn to Philippians. Now, um, it's interesting, this word gospel, uh, it occurs nine times in Philippians. And Philippians, you know, it's short. It only has four chapters. So that's a pretty dense, in fact, it's the most dense usage of the word gospel that uh, in, in any of Paul's writings. And what's interesting is when Paul writes to the Philippians, uh, he's writing to a church that uh, um, things are in, uh, he's on good terms with them. You know, he writes to some of the other churches. If you read Galatians, if you read like uh, 1 Corinthians, there are some issues. He has to call them out on things. But Philippians, it's more of a thank you note. He, they've sent him a gift to help him in his ministry, a financial gift, and he's thanking them. And uh, there aren't a lot of things to, um, to uh, uh, correct them on. So uh, when he uses the word gospel, he doesn't take the time to explain what gospel is because they're already on the same page on that. So he kind of uses it in shorthand. And we'll see how uh, he uses it. So let's go to the first uh, <clears throat> verse, and that is uh, Philippians 1.5. Philippians 1.5. Uh, and the part of that verse, he said, uh, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And uh, so there, Paul, when we say gospel... He's talking about here a partnership in that. Now, um, before I go any further, I should say, uh, if you're like me, gospel has a, a certain meaning um, that I, I grew up with. And now <laughs> you may date yourself. When I was younger, or as my children would say, when dinosaurs roamed the earth, uh, there was a big uh, evangelism campaign by um, a Campus Crusade at that time. They did it, and uh, they put out a little uh, tract, and it was called The Four Spiritual Laws. Do any of you remember the four? Okay, all right. You've just now identified yourself as older, but that's okay. God loves us anyway. Um, so uh, the four spiritual laws. Do you remember that? The, um, I remember it because they would have us memorize it. Uh, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. That was law number one. Law number two was the bad news. We're separated from uh, God by sin. Uh, law number three, Jesus died on the cross to pay our debt for that sin. And law number four, we need to um, accept Jesus. We need to uh, submit to him and follow him in order uh, to receive that gift of eternal life and, and to have that plan that God has for us. So for me, growing up, the four spiritual... When I heard gospel, it's basically it's that. It's those basic facts about God, about Jesus, and about myself that were necessary uh, to become a Christian, to enter into a relationship with Jesus. Now, I'm not, I'm not here to say that that's false. I, yes, amen, hallelujah, that is all true. But it's interesting when Paul says here, he talks, uh, he talks about um, your partnership in the gospel. So he's not talking about um, those basic facts of the gospel so much as a working together in the spread of those, of that good news. A similar verse is at the end of uh, Philippians, Philippians 4.15. It says, uh, and you Philippians, you, uh, yourselves know <clears throat> that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. So here he says, at the beginning of the gospel, 
Is he talking about uh, law number one, because that's the beginning of the four laws? Or is he talking more about this spread of the gospel? When the gospel arrived up in Macedonia, where, um, where Philippi is, and that was the beginning of the gospel in that area. So we see uh, Paul's use here. Oh, look at that. Just in time. Thank you. I know there was probably some sweating going on back there, but that's okay. Um, uh, so that's uh, one interesting way that Paul is using this gospel. Let's go on and, um, oh yeah, and then to define that, the relationship between Paul and the Philippians, Paul defines as a, a partnership or participation in the gospel. <clears throat> to go to the next one, um, one seven it says, I hold you uh, in my heart, for you all are for you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. There is a similar verse in one sixteen, uh, where he talks about defense of the gospel. He says, "The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel." Paul is talking about some people that um, that talk about the gospel in order to get Paul in trouble, and others do it because they really believe. And he says, "The latter do it out of love." Um, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. So here we have defense of the gospel. So I think in this sense, we could see it as um, the, uh, the basics of the gospel that I mentioned before, that Paul is defending, yes, there is a God and Jesus is sent by him and that he died for our sins. These are facts that he is defending as he is in prison. And he and he's uh, he's imprisoned because of that. But it's interesting how he sees that. And uh, go to the next verse. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened uh, to me has really served to advance the gospel. Now, first of all, it's interesting. Advance the gospel. Does that mean uh, you know there were four spiritual laws? Now there's five and six spiritual laws. Is it advancing that way? No, it's, that's not the case. It's more that this news is spreading. It's spreading to different places, to different people. And this is God's plan, this spread of the gospel. And Paul says that for him, incarceration equals advance of the gospel. Because uh, he is in prison, God is using that to advance the gospel. Isn't that incredible? If you ended up in prison, would you say... Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we wouldn't say that. We'd say, what happened? This is, this is a failure. Something went very, very wrong. I should not be here. This is a mistake. Or maybe I should be here, and I made a big mistake. Uh, this, uh, that's how we would view prison. But you know, this is a fascinating thing about God. He uses failures, what we would see as disasters, uh, catastrophes, he uses them for his glory. Uh, last year, Lisa and I got to go uh, to our mission headquarters. Our mission is World Venture. Um, last year, it celebrated its 75th anniversary. And so they had a big uh, get-together in, in Denver where the headquarters is. And actually, they did it pretty well. The, instead of talking about um, different uh, 
policies or different organizational things, for the 75th anniversary, they just had people get up and share stories about what God has done in different places in the world. And it was so encouraging. I got to tell you, at the end of every evening, there was Kleenex passed around because uh, we were in tears hearing how God had sovereignly worked in different places. One example, um, in China. World Venture entered into China to work there in uh, the late 40s. So after World War II, they began a work among an unreached people group in China. And they began work there. People were coming to Christ. But if you know the story of um, China, uh, in 1950, the communists arrived. And uh, it wasn't so good for the Christians. And for the missionaries, they were kicked out. In fact, they had to flee. And so the World Venture missionaries that were there uh, started walking. They had to walk 200 miles to get to uh, a port to, to leave. Well, on that walk, it was families walking along carrying their stuff. One of the mothers uh, became ill and died. And they had to bury her by the side of the road and keep walking. And when they got to the port, they went, took a ship to the nearest um, uh, country that wasn't China um, to, uh, to figure out what to do. And they went to Manila. One family arrived in Manila, and um, the husband fell ill and became uh, paralyzed from the neck down. And he was in the hospital. The, the wife, at that point, she had reached her limit and had a breakdown. And as the man was lying in his hospital bed, <clears throat> three men from outside Manila, from a, from a town further away, came to him and said, We heard you're a missionary. He said, Yes. And they said, Would you please come? And tell us about Jesus in our town. I said, well, I'd like to. Uh, I have an issue here. Um, first of all, you need to pray with me that I get better. But if I do, I will go and share about Jesus there. And he does. He was healed. And the wife uh, recovered as well. They went to this town and shared about Jesus. Well, there was an older man telling the story um, at this point, And he, um, and he is in his 70s. He said, I was a four-year-old boy on that walk from China. But now I want you to hear the rest of the story. And he invited up a Filipino, a man from the Philippines. And he introduced himself. He says, hello, um, I'm the director of the Baptist uh, Association in the Philippines. He says, let me share with you today what our situation is. 600 churches. We have two seminaries, three Bible schools. We train missionaries and send them elsewhere. In fact, you know, one of the things they do, uh, they train missionaries to go to the Muslim world. Because there are places like Saudi Arabia where American or uh, Western-looking missionaries would never be allowed. But they hire Filipinos as house help. So some Filipinos will get training and purposely seek jobs there to be able to be witnesses for Christ in places where, (laughs) in theory, they're not allowed. This is what's going on in the Philippines. And at the end, they invited up a lady who said, the first missionary we sent out, uh, we'd like to invite her up. And she came up and she said, uh, she was a missionary sent out. And you know where she was sent? (laughs) To China, to the same place that the missionaries had been kicked out of 50 years before. She went back and shared about Jesus. And there's a growing church in that area. It was so amazing to see what, by all human standards is a failure, right? We walk out, we lose somebody, we have this family that's falling apart, illness, uh, all kinds of problems. This was part of God's plan. And he used it to start a movement in the Philippines that today is just uh, on fire. 
Amazing. Uh, they had a similar story another night. Um, if you know the Belgian Congo, what used to be called that um, Zaire, today it's DRC, Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, they had a big revolution around 1960, 61. All the missionaries had to run. World uh, venture missionary was killed. Um, they went to the Ivory Coast and tried to figure out what they were going to do from there. Well, then they invited the director of the Baptist Association of the Ivory Coast. Today we have 500 churches. Today we're training missionaries to go to North Africa, um, where, again, Western missionaries would not be allowed, but into the Muslim regions to be able to share about Jesus. It's amazing uh, how God works. He's working his plan. And Paul sees it. He says, I'm in the gospel. Uh, I'm in prison because of the gospel. And it's advancing the gospel. Um, one other side note, uh, just recently, in our church in France, we have a couple, she's Chinese and he's French, and she's from Shanghai, and she shared with us, because things are becoming hard again in China, I don't know if you follow that, they're cracking down on the churches, things are becoming difficult, and her mother's, uh, the woman in our church, her mother's church in Shanghai was shut down, and her mother wrote to her and said this, said, um, um, we praise God because it's not every Christian that has the privilege of suffering for Jesus. Would that be your response? It's not every Christian that has the privilege of suffering for Jesus. But we get to do that now. Praise God. <laughs> wow, that, that's not my first thought. That's not fair. Why can't You can't do that. Uh, this is unjust. And what's going on? That's how uh, this woman in this church was seeing it in China. So God can use even these difficult things to work his plan. Because bottom line, he is working his plan. That's what's really happening. Um, so to go on, um, let's see, we'll go to the next one. Um, Paul says, uh, I know, um, yeah, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. Now this one, uh, doesn't have specifically the word gospel, but it does have that same idea that he uses with gospel all the way through, and that's your, um, your progress. And, uh, and joy in the faith. You're progressing in the faith. You're progressing in the gospel. It's something uh, that, that, that grows, that advances. Another, uh, yeah, so Paul's desire for the Philippians, their advance or progress in the faith, which is the gospel. Um, another verse, 127. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Here, gospel is used as something that um, means that you have a life that should correspond to that. Paul's concern is that their behavior corresponds to the gospel. So when you accept Christ, when you become a believer... That's something that uh, uh, should change your life and should be visible by how you live. There's a manner of life that is worthy of the gospel. So we see the gospel, again, it starts with these basic facts, the good news of Jesus Christ, but it has all these implications. There's a way to live that corresponds to that. There's an advance, a progress that happens through this. Um, We'll continue on. When 118, what then? Only in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. And this is, again, it's, it's not the word gospel, but it is this proclamation 
this, this sharing, this talking about Jesus. Um, so what we see from this for Paul, when you say gospel, gospel, it's not a set of facts that you put in a book and, and just look at or put in a museum under glass, but it's something that by nature is dynamic. It's moving. It's advancing. So that when you say gospel, what you're talking about is uh, gospel in Greek, euangelion, from the same word evangelization comes out of that. It's the sharing of the gospel. It means that we literally we, we're speaking about Christ. And if we're speaking about Christ, that means we're speaking to others. That means others hear this good news. So gospel, by its nature, is something that is shared, is going out, is, um, is going to others. You know, there's a quote, uh, you may have heard it from uh, Francis of Assisi. It's, it's not bad by itself, but he says, um, uh, uh, share the gospel by, uh, by all means, um, use words if necessary. Have you heard that? Um, it it's underlines that we need to, in everything we do, be living a life worthy of the gospel. But I think it's wrong in the sense that the sharing of the gospel requires words because it's not just about a lifestyle. It's about the content about what Jesus did, about his life, death, and resurrection, his death on the cross for our sins, that we might know God personally. So um, gospel, when we say gospel, there is this dynamic nature of it, that it is moving, that it is... Um, it is going out, it's, it's verbal, it's being spoken, and people are hearing about it. So when we put all that together, I think we can say in this letter, gospel refers to advance of the gospel. It refers to this movement, that it's going out, it's going out to, into all the world. And I want to take a, a few minutes to share with you about how the gospel is advancing where we are in France. So just to show you a few pictures... Um, yeah, the first one, uh, one of the ways the gospel advances uh, where we are in the past few years is through English camps. Uh, we are involved in a church, or we have been involved in a church in, in um, eastern France where we live. We live in uh, the area of France called uh, Alsace, and we're right by the border with Germany and Switzerland. And our, the town that uh, our church is in is called Saint-Louis, and in, or St. Louis, you would say in English, but they would say Saint-Louis. And Saint-Louis, uh, in that church, um, one of the ways that we reach out to people is through English camps. And that's been something that has really been positive the last few years. You know, um, to help define mission, um, uh, mission is really this uh, about the spread of the gospel. Um, a lot of times people think about mission as helping out in places that are needy. And that's a great thing to do. You can go around the world and there are places, you know, some people go dig wells, some build schools or build hospitals. Those are all great things. Now, in France, we they have hospitals, they have schools, they have wells. <laughs> they, they even have spring, Avion spring water, you know, that you can pay $5 for. So they're good about the water. They're fine. Um, but what they don't have is Jesus. And that ultimately is what missions is about. So it's great to go, and, and as believers, we should help those who are needy around the world. But um, our number one call is to be sharing this good news about Jesus. So that's why we're in France, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, France, by the way, they would estimate about 1% would be um, believers. 
um, the same group that's from Operation World. It's a great book. If you're interested in knowing what God does around the world, there's a, a little section, and it's a website as well, um, a little section on each country around the world, just knowing where it stands, what are the challenges that believers face, and what, what is God doing. Well, in France, they estimate about 1%. In the U.S., they estimate about 25%. And you may say 25% sounds a bit much. Uh, for, you know, that means one out of every four people you meet would be a believer. Um, that may be high, but 1% may be high for France as well. There are really a lack of believers there. So that's why we do what we do. They don't need hospitals, schools, or water. They do need English. That's one of the things that young people, they want to learn English. You know, if you're going to advance in studies or technology, a lot of stuff is written in English. So they want to learn that. So we've had people come over. And in fact, your church has sent uh, Becca Meyer came over and worked in one of our English camps one year. So thank you for sending her. And we've had uh, teams come from churches. It's a great chance to use something that you do have, English, that they want, and you can uh, help them learn that. So these are young people from the neighborhood in France that have come to our English camp. And that's been an exciting thing, a great way to, to reach out to those around us. This last year was kind of funny. At the end of the English camp, they said uh, that we do a big barbecue for the families, you know, to get to know people better. And the parents were there and they said, well, this is great for our kids, but what about us? We want to learn English. And so Lisa said, okay. So um, once a month, she does an English club. Well, she's been doing one for the youth, but now she started one for adults. And we've had adults come and some of them have come to other church activities and gotten to know people in our church. And that's the whole goal, right, is, is to build these relationships so that people uh, can get to know us, so that we can share the good news of Jesus. Um, that's one thing uh, we've been involved with, especially Lisa has led that ministry. My main ministry is teaching. So I teach primarily in three schools. This is some, here's some crazy students from the Geneva Bible Institute. And I teach also in the Belgian Bible Institute up in Brussels and at the uh, Faculté Jean Calvin, the John Calvin faculty in the south of France. And People uh, go, believers go to these schools uh, to be trained to be leaders in churches, to be um, uh, pastors, um, uh, general uh, leaders in general, or church planters, or missionaries. And you got to understand, it's different for them when they go to a Bible school. When they come out, a lot of churches in France cannot support a pastor full time. So if they're coming out of the Bible school, that may mean a part-time job and they get to find some other part-time work. If they are paid full-time, usually it's minimum wage. So they're not getting rich off this, and they know that going in. But they know that Jesus has done a work in their life, and they want to share that with others. So it's exciting to be a part of training young people like this. And we want to, again, we want to thank you for help making that possible. You know, these schools like Geneva, like um, in Brussels, they can't pay. You know, people have asked me, why don't they just pay their own faculty? Well, did I mention there aren't a lot of believers? So they don't have the money to pay faculty full time. They're able to help out some, and they're trying to raise up some national teachers. But your partnership with us allows me to be faculty there for free. So I teach there, and uh, and this, that way the school doesn't have to to pay my funds uh basically you're helping do that so thank you this is one of the ways that you're involved in the spread of the gospel in french-speaking europe um that's been what we have been up to as we look to the future um i want to share about a a church plant that we will ultimately be involved with actually a, a network of church plants so a student of mine his name is arnaud Arnaud was at the Geneva Bible Institute. That's where I got to know him. He went back to his hometown, which is Strasbourg. 
and he had a vision to reach his hometown. He did a demographic study of the town and found that in 10 of the 15 districts of Strasbourg, there's no evangelical church. So he wants to plant a church in each one of those districts. So he started with a district called the Kutno, and in that district there's a lot of young people. And they started a church there four years ago, and it's almost all university students, young adults, or young families. Well, it started four years ago. Today in that church, there are about 100 people. Now, that just qualifies it in France as a megachurch. You just, uh, you just become huge. That's, uh, that's not common. Um, very cool what's going on there. That's the church. But they wanted to do more than just a Sunday morning. They wanted um, to be able to have an outreach during the week and connect with the community. So they started a cafe. And that cafe, cafe is called the Oh My Goodness Cafe, OMG. And uh, they, they like the use of the English there. And that cafe has actually become, just by pure volume of business, one of the biggest cafes in Strasbourg. But they use it also as a means to connect with people. So they run, they run a French club for immigrants that don't speak French. They do that. They do an English club. They do a German club, since it's right on the border with Germany. They do a game night. Um, they do... Uh, uh, they've had a gospel choir that's met there to pr- practice. So they do uh, anything they can think of that will bring in people to get to know them And because uh, most French people will not walk in to an evangelical church. That's just too weird, too bizarre. But to come into a cafe and meet some people and, okay, all right, get to know them. That's, uh, they seem okay. So um, also Becca, is, she also uh, did, well, she did the English camp and she also worked at this cafe, this uh, uh couple summers ago. So thank you for sending her and being involved with that. And for those who are interested, there are possibilities like that, well, in France, but around the world. So talk to me if you, if you are interested in being part of God's worldwide plan. There's lots of ways to do it. In fact, our daughter, uh, Anne, our youngest, took a gap year this last year and worked at the cafe uh, as well uh, for the whole year. And um, she got to be a barista for a while, and so uh, she likes making coffee. But she came alive spiritually because she was with all this this young church, this church plant. And um, it was funny. I tell people, um, after a few months, she would call me. And, you know, she's, she's usually pretty shy and reserved, but she called me once and said, Dad, uh, I have a question. Do you have some time? And, uh, oh, no, what is, what is this going to be? Is this, you know financial problem or relationship question or what's going on and so i said yeah i have some time what's up and she said in romans 8 where it talks about this thing what is is that referring to this other passage or what's going on (laughs) okay i have time for this this is great (laughs) she's like trying to understand the bible and working her way through it's so exciting so that was the fruit of working from this uh, cafe uh, uh for this last year so uh and again, she came and shared about this, I think, last summer. So thank you. Uh, some people here were praying for her and being involved with that. That was really cool. Um, so this church, Cafe Church, they started uh, their second church over by the train station. Well, the train station is very different. It's not a lot of young adults and young professionals. It's a lot of immigrants and refugees, a lot of Muslims. And how do we reach out to them? Well, um, they asked at the first church, they said, we want people, uh, we're looking for people that will be involved in the church plant. But if you go to be involved, we don't want people just there for the weekend. We want people that are going to live in the neighborhood. So if you're going to be involved in the church plant, we're going to ask you to move to that side of town. Ten people did. That's one-tenth of the church. That's amazing. 
that's convicting. Um, and uh, the leader of that group is, is a colleague with our mission, with World Venture. And um, they began meeting in his, um, in his uh, living room. And they quickly outgrew that. So, so this is the straws. This is the first church. Um, I got to be their um, retreat speaker this last uh, spring. But the second church, this is them. They outgrew their living room. So Justin, who's the leader of this plant, he was trying to figure out what to do. And he likes Starbucks. So he's, he knows the local Starbucks, uh, the people that work there. And it's uh, by the train station, it's two floors. You know, you buy the coffee down here, and there's some seating, and there's more seating upstairs. And he said, he went to them and said, uh, could our church maybe meet on Sunday mornings in the top floor? And they asked the manager and said, Sure. Okay. And they said, well, what, what would you charge, you know, for rent? And they said, oh, it's free. Just, you know, it's Sunday morning's kind of slow. If there are people there, you know, it might attract other people. And they said, okay, well, we'll pay you 50 euros a week just to, you know, cover the costs or whatever. And they say, okay, well, we'll give you all the coffee and tea that you want. So, so, so this is them meeting in the upstairs of Starbucks. And the people that come in downstairs, well, the toilet, the, the bathrooms are upstairs, so they'll come upstairs sometimes and people are singing or talking. Okay, some people take pictures and leave like, what's going on? Um, so that's, uh, that's begun. Um, they actually are planning a move into this uh, community center. The top picture is as it is now. Uh, they are renovating it down below. They're going to have a cafe, and oh my goodness, <laughs> cafe there as well, because um, one of the issues for all these refugees is they don't have a lot of job skills. And the local mayor has asked them and said, if you're going to do a community center, don't just do a place that does handouts, but they, what they need is training so that they can get jobs. So they're going to do job training in this small cafe. There'll be a place for the church to meet. There'll be other um, facilities there to help people um, like these uh, refugees and immigrants that are that are trying to f- find their way in France. So very cool. That church plan is underway. They're, uh, this fall, they're starting a new one that's out by the European Parliament. Now, that's a very different profile. It's a lot of uh, diplomats, international businessmen. Um, they have a couple that, uh, that has uh, worked in that milieu that are beginning uh, with their team. In fact, this month, they're beginning. And their goal is to share resources with all these different church plants. And they've asked Lisa and I to be a part of that. So they've asked me to train their church leaders. And um, they've asked Lisa to be involved with the community center in uh, running uh, language lessons and doing other things because that's her, that's her training and her uh, expertise. So as we look to the future, we're excited to be part of this um, network of church plants. And I also want you to know this is what God is doing in France. Churches are being planted. People are coming to Christ. It's not easy, but uh, some of these young leaders are gifted and they have vision. And um, like Arnaud, he wants to reach all these areas of Strasbourg, but more than that, he wants people to come and work with him for a year or two to get experience and see what they're doing and then take that and go elsewhere in France or elsewhere in the world. And I think it's a great vision. So Lisa and I are looking forward. Um, we'll be here in the States for this year. And then next year, we'll be going back to Strasbourg to be involved with this group. And then I will continue also my, my teaching that I do at these schools. So that's a little bit about us and about uh, the advance of the gospel in, in France. But I want to come back to, uh, to us here. What does that mean as we think about the gospel? How do we live the gospel today? Again, we know the basic facts. If you've come to this church, 
um, you've heard the good news of the gospel. If you don't know Jesus, I encourage you to speak to me or one of the other leaders after because we'd love to share this good news. It's the best news you could hear, and it changes your life uh, in a very good way. So, um, But how do we live that out? If you are a believer, what does that mean? And here's something. Uh, it was actually an old professor of mine that uh, gave me this image, and it's stuck with me because I think it's true. If there's one way of viewing this, I think a lot of Christians today view it this way, and um, I think there's a problem with it. And what it is, is there's, there's me, a highly detailed view of me, um, me, and then, uh, so there I am in my life, and then I have needs, right? I have uh, various needs, a basic need, I need food and <laughs> shelter, so I have a job. And the job is there to meet my financial needs. I also have um, relational needs. So I have a family, so I can have close relationships. I have needs for um, uh, uh, leisure and, and, you know, what to do, things I like to do. So I have uh, my leisure time, and I may be sports or a hobby or uh, something along those lines. That, that I do that to, to meet my needs for, um, for leisure. And I have other social needs, too, so I have friends, and they meet my needs in that way. And I have a spiritual need, right? So that's what God is for. He meets my spiritual need. So you see in this image, I'm in the middle, and I organize things in my life to meet my needs. There's a problem with that. (laughs) First of all, I'm at the middle. Um, This is not uh, how God has made us. And I'll share an alternative view in a second. But Unfortunately, I think this is true, how a lot of people live life, even Christians live life, that I put things in my life that meet my needs, and when they no longer meet my need, then I put them out of my life. And so God is there to meet my spiritual needs. If I'm having a hard time spiritually, I'm mad at God, and maybe I'll take him out for a while, and then when, I, you know, when I'm in a crisis, then I'll plug him back in. And I put all these different people and different uh, things in my life according to my needs. Well, I don't think that's the biblical view. So let's move to a different view, the biblical view. Uh, This is, I think you could term the big view here as the gospel. And it begins, it's not about me in the middle, but it's about God's plan that begins with Abraham in Genesis 12. And Abraham, if you know the story, God chooses Abraham. Abraham, when he starts to work his plan, and he says, he he makes a promise to him, several promises, and one is, in you I will bless all nations. So we know from the beginning, God's goal is to work this plan to go everywhere, to all nations. And that's what he's doing in history, all throughout history, from Abraham until the end. And we can read in Matthew 24, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So it begins to all nations, and it will end when it's gone to all nations. So this is the plan that God is working. This is his gospel plan, sharing the good news. uh, Well, back with Abraham, it was through faith, through faith in God, and now, uh, since the coming of Jesus, we know it's through faith in Jesus. This is the plan. Um, as uh, someone summarized it, God's blessing 
by faith in the crucified and resurrected Jesus Christ who presides over the plan. So God blesses us as we have faith in Jesus, and Jesus presides over this plan. That is the big picture. So um, we can call that the, the macro view. Uh, you might ask, so where am I in that? Yeah, that's, uh, we need to start not with me, but with the big picture. We start with God and what he's doing from the beginning, uh, from, from Abraham until the end when Jesus returns. That's the big picture. Then we can start talking about how do I fit in. So there's me, and God invites me and you to join into what he is doing, into his gospel plan. So that this is the micro view of how I fit in to what he is doing. Um, you know, there's a phrase we use, uh, and it's true. You know, say when you become a Christian, um, you ask Jesus into your heart. Or you accept Jesus as your Savior. You accept him into your life. Now that's true, but much more often in the New Testament, we hear the phrase that the believer is in Christ. You see the difference? Uh, we Yes, uh, Christ comes into our life, but more importantly, we enter into his plan. And that's a big difference. You see that? We enter into what he is doing. So, as uh, uh, I finish here and, and to conclude, what does that mean for us? It means we are not our own. It means we are not our own. Yes, we are free, but we are free to follow and serve God. As we use our freedom for ourselves, we become enslaved again, enslaved to ourselves, enslaved to sin. But we are free to follow Him. Now we all have different backgrounds. We're all from different places. Uh, we we have different gifts. We have different personalities. So we won't all be doing the same thing. Um, you know, we even have different life circumstances. You know, the places we live, the jobs we have, different family situations. So that doesn't mean as we become part of God's gospel plan, we all become cookie cutter. You know. Um, robots all doing the same thing. We're all different. We all have uh, different things to offer, but we all do that in in the um, in the in the uh, structure or in the in the progress of God's gospel plan. And that's what He invites us to do. Um, you know, there, it's it's the thing that binds us together. It's interesting coming here. I uh, and getting to know Jason a little bit. It's funny. You know, Jason and I went to the same high school. Whoa! I had no idea. Go Maricosta Mustangs! Woohoo! I don't know if there's any more youth. Um, so we had that that, that uh, you know we had in common. I didn't know that. Um, I just met. Uh, I'm forgetting the name. Mi Miwa. Miwoka. Mi Miwa. Anyway, I. I just met the name, but I didn't know she went to the church that I grew up in. And she knew, she said, deny, she knows my family. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> so, and uh, anyway, you can find little connections like that, but you know the one thing as believers that connects us all is this. We're all part of God's gospel plan. And I want to encourage you to think about that this morning. There is something bigger than us. You know, they say you need to be part of something bigger. Uh, it's, it's good for your mental health, good for your physical health. Um, that's true. But let me tell you, there's nothing bigger than God's eternal worldwide plan. And he invites us to be a part of that. 
whether it's in Temecula, in Saint Louis, in Strasbourg, wherever that is around the world. Um, and I want to encourage you to, uh, to think about that and even to risk, to think about risks that you can take. I read a, a, a book recently and there was a chapter title that stuck out. It was, um, There's More Than One Way to Be Wicked. And it was a reference to the parable of the talents. Do you know this story that Jesus told? He told a story about a master who gave three servants um, money. And uh, talent was a, was a measure of money. And to one guy, he gave ten talents. To one guy, five talents. And to the other one, forgetting that, was it one talent? Uh, and so, or is it two? Someone's telling me. Anyway, there's a, there's a range, right? The first two, and then the master leaves on a long trip. And the first two, what do they do? They take the money and they... They use it. They use what they've been given. So when the master comes back, they can give him double what, what they were given. But the third guy that has the small amount, he hides it in the ground. And when the master comes back, he digs it up and says, here it is. Now, did the last guy, did he, um, did he steal the money? Did he lose the money? He did not use the money. And what does Jesus say to him? You wicked servant. Whoa. It's wicked. Not because he stole it or because he lost it, but because he didn't use it. Now that's a heavy, <laughs> that's a heavy thing for all of us, isn't it? God has given all of us gifts and abilities and talents. And one day we will give account for how we've used what he's given us. Now I'm not talking here about salvation. That's by faith in Christ. That's Christ's work on the cross. But we will be responsible for what he's given us. So I want to encourage you this morning to think about how are you involved in God's gospel plan? Maybe that means doing something crazy. (laughs) Maybe it means going to a different part of the world where people haven't heard. You know, I talked recently with a, a missionary, a colleague. He works with a group. He was in Pakistan for a number of years, and then it got too dangerous and now he lives in London and works with a bunch of Pakistanis there. He works with a people group called the Sindhi. You know there are 30 million Sindhi in Pakistan? You know how many churches there are among them? Zero. Zero. There are Sindhi people that need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. There are groups like that all around the world. Maybe not quite so numerous, but there are uh, people that need to hear about Jesus. Maybe God is calling you to be involved in some way in God's gospel plan elsewhere. Maybe he's inviting you to, like our friends in Strasbourg, to move across town, to move to a different part of town where he has a ministry for you. Maybe he's calling you to stay right here and use your gifts and talents in reaching Temecula and the, and the regions around. I don't know what God has for you, but I do know that he's calling you to use your gifts as part of his gospel plan so that this gospel will advance. Um, I saw a little blurb the other day. I liked it. Uh, some people say, life is short, enjoy it. And the response was, eternity is long, prepare for it. And uh, I think that's, as we view our life and our participation in, in um, God's gospel plan, that's something we should keep in mind. Um, yeah, I think I'll, I'll just end it there. I want to say, though, um, before I, I finish... Um, if you're interested in following our ministry and getting updates, we send out email updates, not quite as often as we should, but we do. And uh, we put a sign-up sheet out, uh, I guess it's the, the hub out there. So there's just one that says, I want to receive Mark and Lisa Denai's emails. And 
put your name and your email and you'll be on the list. So we would love to, to continue uh, sharing about our, our ministry in that way with you. But I just want to um, finish with a prayer. And, um, you know, this is, this is convicting stuff, this gospel plan. It's convicting uh, for me, I know. It's easy, even as a missionary, to become complacent and to become, you know, just do what I always did and not uh, take a risk. But I know God has a plan and he wants us to be involved in that and stepping out for him. So let me pray for all of us that as uh, the Spirit might speak to us about how we are involved. Father God, I want to thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your gospel plan that you are working, that you are working through good times, through bad times, through, uh, through blessing, through persecution. God, thank you that you are working your plan. And I pray, God, that um, for each one of us today, that your Spirit would speak to us, even this week, that we would think about how are we using the gifts the, the abilities, the, the different things that you've given us for your glory. How are we spreading this good news of Jesus where we are? God, I pray that you would guide and direct us this week that we might um, participate more fully in your gospel plan. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks for being with us today. It's always a pleasure to serve you with this CD ministry. And here at Rancho Baptist Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples who love God, love others, and live to reach their world for Christ. And if you have any questions regarding this sermon, or just perhaps knowing God in a deeper way, don't hesitate to give us a call. Our phone number is area code 951-676-2911. Or you can reach us on the web at www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. That's www.ranchobaptistchurch.org. Have a great day in the Lord, and God bless you as you continue to walk with Him.